Welcome to today's podcast episode of Let's Talk Cloud Networking, unscripted with your host, myself, John Gonzalez and Newman Mustafa. As usual, we've invited an expert um, from the cloud industry to join us um, to candidly share his knowledge, customer learnings, experiences during his cloud journey, but also to give our audience a sense of how, uh, how customers are thinking and approaching about what we call the most fundamental but critical network, cloud networking and security constructs. So today, we're pleased to be joined by Stefan Wagner of Lufthansa System. Stefan is an enterprise cloud architect who's become an influential thought leader in the public cloud space. Hi, Stefan. Welcome to today's podcast. Please take a few minutes to introduce yourself, um, your journey into cloud. When did you start? How did you end up as a cloud architect? And also, if you wouldn't mind a little bit of background on Lufthansa systems and how their journey into cloud is going, what they're doing, and what they're trying to avoid as well. And then one, uh, just, uh, John, uh, one thing I want to add, uh, that today is our 20th episode. And um, uh, so, Stefan, you will be a, a special guest for us on that our 20th episode. So we'll celebrate with you for today. <laughs> and there's no better person like you to talk about uh, uh, your cloud learning and cloud experiences. So welcome to the show. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. So many roses in the beginning already. <laughs> 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 yeah, sure. So, so um, yeah, I'm I'm Stefan. Uh, I'm I'm working for the for the Lufthansa Group in in Lufthansa Systems uh, since uh, I would say now a little bit more than two years. Um, based out in Berlin but I'm not originally from there. I'm actually originally from, from the Frankfurt area. So for, for the ones knowing Lufthansa, this is funny because I moved from Frankfurt to Berlin and actually started to work for Lufthansa. So <laughs> could have stayed in Frankfurt as well. Um, so a little bit about myself, um, let's say uh, before joining Lufthansa, I was working several years for another German bigger software company based out in the Heidelberg area, um, was uh, there in, in, in different um, areas um, from application development, uh, from, uh, from, from security engineering perspective, as well in the central IT department uh, for uh, third level database operations. Um, and then basically moved into a freelancing uh, area, was uh, consulting uh, different also larger uh, clients in, in the um, area, um, uh, Frankfurt uh, around cloud adoption, uh, was yeah, helping to, to basically tell what is needed to move into the cloud. And um, yeah, uh, basically like looking at the time when I was first in touch with, with the cloud, that was some years ago, I think 2013, 14, where the first uh, projects on, on AWS, um, basically a lot with just plain infrastructure as a service with EC2 and very basic, let's say, not really uh, cloud consumption, like just compute in the cloud. 
and um, basically uh, yeah moved on uh, built um, my own uh, data center for my company in the Frankfurt area with some collocation and uh, did some you know hybrid cloud model uh, connecting that to various uh, public clouds and um, yeah basically after uh, yeah this this time on on low infrastructure tasks, I wanted to move on and uh, move more into the um, yeah, technical enterprise architecture direction to um, look also from a higher glance onto it, not only from the infrastructure or networking level, but in general, how can we transform ourselves best uh, to consume, let's say the cloud in the right way. And of course, networking plays a big part in that. And uh, I think that's what we are going to talk about uh, today. Um, yeah, I think from, from experience um, ranging from AWS, um, we do a lot with Azure and uh, recently also onboarding uh, Google Cloud into the game. So um, yeah, I would say this would be the, the three major <laughs> cloud providers where I have personal experience with. Great. You got uh, you got uh, fortunate. Uh, started working uh, with the cloud in, back in 2013. I think a lot of us probably did not even know what um, what these cloud providers are and what they actually do. So it looks like you are one of those uh, fortunate, uh, I would say, architects who got a, some early experience with the cloud, and you have been uh, learning from your experiences over the time. So it's great to um, have you here, and I think your learning probably will benefit a lot of our other architects as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic journey. Thanks for sharing that, Stefan. So, so Stefan, I've got a question. It, it's, it's pretty usual um, that, you know, for coming from the on-premise data center world, the long lead times it takes, the, the the vast amount of budgets, um, even for provisioning things like circuits, IPsec, point-to-point -point connections, let alone lead times in procurement, um, lead times associated with all of the ordering. So from a Lufthansa systems perspective, what is your main driver out of those traditional data centers and, and into public cloud? Yeah, um, I would say we have a lot of drivers there. Um, one major driver for the Lufthansa is that uh, we basically uh, want to get rid of all of our, let's say, on-premise data center locations um, somewhere, let's say, in the next few years, so until 2024, and some will be a little bit longer. But uh, I would say that this is on the one hand a driver, so um, mm -hmm. to, to really move applications that we have out of the data center and they need a new landing zone, right? So they have to go somewhere. And we decided that instead of uh, yeah, moving these applications into another data center, we want to mostly exclusively put them into public cloud or alternatively uh, move them to, to SaaS-based solutions. Or if say they're incompatible, maybe we even have to exchange applications and, and uh, create or use new ones. So I'd say this, <clears throat> that this is uh, one of the drivers. Um, we ourselves have a lot of service providers um, in the game, which makes it sometimes, you know, these lead times to get something even longer because we are not like in the driver's seat. We cannot do it ourselves. So we like request something and then 
another company actually executes it. And in the worst case, let's say there's a workflow where multiple companies have to do something mm-hmm. um, after each other. And that just uh, takes some time. And, and you know, this, these are reasons uh, to move into cloud, to get more control again about infrastructure and about the application uh, layer again. And um, I think what we have, I mean, Lufthansa Systems has started, let's say the, the cloud journey, maybe around, I mean, it wasn't with the company, but around three years ago, I would say mm-hmm. three and a half years ago. And there the main driver was really, uh, we have to move out of the data center into the cloud because it will just go away. And um, I would say the the priorities right now, they have shifted a little bit because also in our product teams, um, the maturity level has increased and they have realized what benefit actually the public cloud gives to them it's not just you know hosting another hosting platform and some compute it's really way more and they can they can do things much more faster so and and i think we are we are now in this phase where um people start realizing that this is this is way more and we are now um, shifting a little bit the priorities towards to hey how can we now uh use the public cloud in the most effective way and this is basically where we call it the cloud trend, the cloud native transformation basically kicks in. So what do we have to transform in our software, in our products to effectively use public cloud technology and basically get all of the um, public cloud computing characteristics out of it. So better resiliency, um, really the cost savings, which uh, uh, no surprises, but we didn't see so far with, with following the infrastructure as a service approach. Yeah. Um, so I think this is, the, this is the new driver for us, not, you know, not mm-hmm. only lift and shifting it over, but, but really uh, transforming to uh, make better use of it. Right, and taking full oh. advantage of all of the, the innovative services different CSPs have to offer, yeah. So I think it's a pretty, pretty uh, I would say, um, common trend uh, that we are seeing now. It's common across the board that, I mean, first of all, the cloud move is, is a uh, business-driven, right? It's something that uh, the business decides that we have to move to the cloud. It's, it's not mostly a, a technical driver. I mean, from a from a infrastructure team's perspective, it's more like a business driving it. And I, I think, obviously, as Stephen, you mentioned that, you know, uh, CapEx and TCO are, is one angle where you, you save money on the infrastructure cost, but more importantly, it's about giving control back. So you are more efficient. Uh, it's about agility and speed. It's about leveraging the services in the cloud that makes it a lot more um, you know, uh, useful for the businesses. So I think uh, that's pretty much common across the board. Uh, in terms of uh, when you mentioned that you, you and the teams in Lufthansa systems work as a MSP, you know, in a way, to their end customers. And you say something about uh, getting the control back. So, can you double click on that? Is it in the data center? Uh, do you were you managing your own environment, or or were you outsourced to something, and you did not have the control or the agility that you wanted to give back to your end customers, which is the applications teams in the most in most cases. And then now, when you are in cloud, and since everything is Terraform and automation driven. There's a lot more uh, speed that you can provide. Uh, maybe you can just double click on, on that aspect. Yeah, I think in, in Lufthansa systems, we have a, let's say, very special uh, scenario. 
uh, that is due to some history. So I would say until the year of 2015, uh, Lufthansa Systems was the central infrastructure IT provider. We were operating data centers in the airport area of Frankfurt, like owned by us. And then there were several management decisions to focus on other areas and the business was sold um, to uh, another um, provider. And uh, let's say we basically now change a little bit uh, the focus here. So we are, you know, we don't have these, <laughs> let's say legacy things on our, on, our, uh, on our table, so to say. So we were able to start from scratch in, in that regard. So we don't have a physical foot in a data center anymore. We just, you know, we have a service provider who does that for us. And uh, so we have, I would say we have the, uh, the good situation that we, we went straight into public cloud. So from, mm -hmm. from the year of 2015 on, so we didn't build up another data center back then. We, we of course, we still used what the new provider actually now took over, but uh, we started uh, building our own stuff directly in public cloud. So this is a little bit the history. And I would say this is probably kind of different to what I've seen also in other companies that of course have these ties into their data centers and they mm -hmm. still operated themselves that have these uh, decentral teams. But for us, uh, it's like really it was sold including all of our colleagues and, and or let's say most of our colleagues and, and the knowledge. So basically all of the knowledge um, went away a little bit. So, and then from, from that time on, uh, we started to build up the knowledge again. And I would say that today we have reached a point again that, that we have a lot of these expertises um, in the company, uh, but it's not the traditional IT data center expertise anymore. It is really focused on um, providing services directly out of public cloud. So yeah. it, was a, it was a good move then really for you guys because you, you had to retrain, reskill yourselves in new technologies and those new technologies were all cloud related. So you, you're almost like a born in the cloud um, <laughs> organization yeah. yourself yeah. now, right? Yeah, they're just <laughs> It, it would it would be nice that way, but uh, we still, you know, the applications are still running yeah, on that the, data center. And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we are not responsible for the data anymore, a data center anymore, yeah. but still for the applications yeah. on top. <laughs> That's great. So um, one thing I picked up, uh, Stefan, from your point that you are leveraging multiple clouds, um, GCP, you mentioned AWS and Azure. Um, and then there's a recent article in Wall Street Journal that also talks about, you know, businesses are now leveraging more and more multiple clouds uh, based on the, the services that they provide that uh, is valuable to their business. So it's no longer a, a single CSP lock-in scenario. Um, so in your uh, Lufthansa system, Lufthansa group scenario, uh, how are you guys leveraging uh, multiple clouds? And did you start your journey with just one cloud and then your business or teams uh, ask you to leverage certain things in different clouds. So how, how did that came, came about for Lufthansa? So strategy wise, I think we have from the beginning on a clear multi-vendor strategy, um, which effectively in public cloud results in a multi-cloud strategy. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that we have started in, in, in like a single cloud, which is Microsoft Azure. So that was the, the first cloud uh, picked back then in, in, in time. 
and uh, we are working closely together with Microsoft and uh, have, I think, meanwhile, even gained the, the gold partner status uh, with, with Microsoft on Azure. And uh, let's say most of our workloads, they run on Azure. So we have a close well, partnership there. Um, recently, um, we have realized that um, there's also there's also other, uh, let's say, wind on the market in, in, in the public cloud area, especially when you look into some specific uh, services and then, you know, the clouds, you know, they all seem similar, but then you realize they are not similar, actually, mm -hmm. especially when you look into features. And um, so that was one perspective to also look into uh, some some other areas, which is uh, for us, which is the uh, the Google Cloud um, environment. And um, the other aspect why we do it is also because of fault tolerancy. Of course, you have in a single cloud, you have these disaster recovery scenarios. You have uh, on Azure the the paired region type of thing. But um, also for some of our customers, this is just not enough. So they just also don't trust a single vendor. They want um, that their, let's say, their disaster recovery uh, mm -hmm. sits in another region, in another cloud. Because just for them, you know, it's like with the fireable vendors, maybe you don't want your pure Cisco uh, van, mm -hmm. but maybe you want to have another vendor as well because of software bugs or something like that. So this, this made us also uh, push, let's say, into the direction of also uh, consuming um, other clouds and for us from from the central um, central uh, let's say uh, cloud team and Lufthansa systems um, I think our task is to to enable our business and our products um, that they can leverage cloud the best way so I, I see us really as an enabler so we have to give them all the tools all the platforms all the clouds that they need to effectively build their products on right because right. they will generate the business value for us Right. And, and do you find your business, your app developers actually want networking security to get out the way? They want more self-service. Um, they want it handed on a plate. You know, here's the Terraform scripts, if that's what you're using. Feed it through your CICD pipeline and they go and do their own provisioning, DCOM. Um, as long as they, they're able to do that in an isolated way and not bring the whole systems down. Um, is that the way you think your developers are heading towards? I would say that we have um, quite a different state of maturities in in our different, let's say, product teams, mm -hmm. where um, some of them have already close to finished a transformation to working into some uh, DevOps-ish kind of, of working mode and, and feeling you know, more responsibility um, in the operational area. But we also have still uh, teams that, that have this path in front of them. So they still feel only responsibility for creating the product, but not for right. the operational not part. Yeah, so they, so they're more like expected in a in a type of managed way, and this is what um, what we have to offer. So we have to live with the different maturities level of our teams. So on the one hand, there are teams that want this flexibility, so they just want an API where they where they just say, okay, I just want networking in that mm -hmm. cloud, and I, and I don't care, it just has to work. And basically, I wanted to do it myself, so I don't want to create a ticket or something. Um, but then there are also the other teams which say, mm, we just produced the software, can you just take it into operations? Yeah. And then they just don't care about that at all. They just right. wanted to to work. <laughs> Got it. No, 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 you, you're right. Especially large organizations, they have different working ways. The teams are still working in different ways. But, but you know, if you're in three clouds now, um, I believe, Stefan, so 
keeping your customer data or keeping any data safe and secure, you know, both at trans in, in transport and at rest is obviously of critical importance to you guys. Um, but with the um, public cloud constructs for networking and security, there are a number of gaps, a number of weaknesses um, that, you know, they don't provide or can't provide. Um, or if they do provide, it's hard to actually um, consume. So how, 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 do you, how are you overcoming those sort of gaps and those problems to ensure you have the highest level of security available you know, in all of your clouds? Yeah, so um, I would say um, as we started out with a single cloud, the easiest one, and I think that's just what, what we did in the beginning, is to use what the cloud provider gave to us. Mm -hmm. And I think back then there was, let's say, the recommendation to use this um, hub and spoke principle with some, some NVA devices to overcome some of the, let's say, transit limits and, and at least have um, spokes here to a central hub firewalls. And, and this is kind of the, um, the, the world where we have started in. So like manual classic network provisioning yeah. in, in public cloud. And um, basically now, you know, moving workloads into the second cloud, realizing, oh, <laughs> maybe that was not built for, you know, for, for tackling that, that kind of issue in, in all of the clouds. So um, basically for us um, at, at that time, it, it basically meant to reconsider, yeah, to go into really in, in, into a working mode again to is this still the right solution or the, the right approach to uh, to solve the the issue basically and um, that was kind of the time when uh, we were looking in in the market really um, into the classic networking vendors but um, also into um, aviatrix um, how uh, what 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 is possible today? Let's let's say mm -hmm. it that way. So what what is possible today um, on on that end? And of course, we were speaking with our cloud providers. We were speaking to Azure. Um, that was also the time when they came up with the Azure Virtual One, and then we were doing the same thing with with uh, Google, uh, telling us, oh, we don't need the transit. You have the global VPCs that solves everything for you. Um, but we always we we didn't get the the solution. How can we interconnect the one thing with the other thing in an easy way? <laughs> right. And um, that is why we really looked into into different vendors and um, basically after our evaluations and I think we we did quite have some longer period of time of investigation um, um, we ended up with aviatrix yeah and, and I guess the, the the good thing with the aviatrix solution I hope you you'd agree is you know it's a repeatable consistent architect not the architecture not only able to use the public con um, public networking security constructs that the CSPs provide, but also enhance those and give you more, more feature functionality that you're probably used to coming from a data center world where they're well trialed and tested and much more mature. So I hope, I hope you're seeing a lot of business value out of the, the Aviatrix solution. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For, for, for us, the, the, the thing is, we, we did a lot of things manually um, or we still do on, on some, some areas. And this just 
brings us to some um, area when we really feel it's it's too complex now, especially when having multiple clouds and now imagine you have to configure everywhere user-defined routes and yeah. you have to make sure that this peering is correct and then something doesn't work, um, then you're basically screwed. So, um, and, and that's where we realized we also need something that orchestrates it for us. But still, uh, we wanted to use the cloud or we still want to use the cloud in a native way. It means mm -hmm. we don't want to you know, build some weird construct or something on top. We still want to use it. And uh, the application should, they should just see the classic VPC or VNet, however you want to call it. And they should be um, able to also use the native construct like network security groups, like security groups, however they are called in different clouds. And um, so this was important to us on the on the one hand, but on the other hand, we, we really needed the, uh, the the central core network with all its transits and all its BGP peerings and encryption tunnels to be um, centrally orchestrated with a full automation in place. And let's say um, also having or gaining full visibility of the network, which right. we didn't have in the other solution. Of course, all those firewalls and so on, they expose the net flows and so on, but we didn't get it in a, in a single place. And especially if some uh, firewall wasn't opened, uh, you can imagine this is just a try and error. We have to see which of the security groups might have a flaw in the configuration. And uh, this is something that really brings us now with, with Aviatrix, the, the business value, being able to quickly see on one glance, is everything running? Is, is the, the performance good? Is the latency well? Do we have enough bandwidth available? Are there some bottlenecks? Or even if someone says something is not working, uh, we use uh, the, the flight path, I think it is called feature, to just debug um, Right. Yeah, what is it now that is not working, basically? And I think the important yes. thing, it, you know, when you say it's important to see the network, the network actually to us is AWS's network, GCP's network, Azure's network, Oracle's network. We just see that as one network. Um, yeah. you know, one common control plane. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Stephen, you, you said something very, very powerful, and I wish that uh, all of the people who are moving to the cloud can learn from it because we see it pretty much from every other big enterprise. So normally I think it's very, very expected that people, when they start the journey, they start working with one cloud provider and they start doing things the way they tell them, right? So it's basically, they go to a provider, they say, oh yeah, we know everything, we do everything, our platform supports, you know, whatever you need. So you go that route of quote unquote building, right? So, and, and you really do not think about a future-proof architecture. And I think architecture is the most critical piece, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your product, whether it's in your messaging, no matter what you do, if you have an architecture, then life is good. If you don't have an architecture, life is going to be miserable because again and again, you will have to re-architect things to align to your needs of, of that time, right? So I think what Evitrix does, um, which I think is, you just mentioned, right, is allows you to architect for something that you may not know today, but you may come across in the future. So let's say if you want to expand in GCP or in Oracle, let's say you come up with extending to some um, uh, ERP applications or autonomous databases, you have an architecture that you can extend to and do it in a way where it's operationally efficient. Because I think architecting and designing is maybe uh, day one where you can do things in day one and okay, maybe you can hire some smart people to get things working. but operations is every single day of your life afterwards, right? It has to be unified. It has to be operationally efficient and you need to have an architecture that continues to expand because cloud is an evolving space 
people are bringing out services every other week and you would as a business right you would want to be able to tap into those services because that provides the competitive advantage against other businesses right so it's very very important uh, message that you give in terms of i mean if you have to fail fast do it quickly and then do it better right instead of just saying that like, we have seen uh, customers who made the decision and then they don't want to change because they feel that hey if i change the decision then i'm talking about um Uh, look, looking bad in front of my management, right? So cloud is not that. Cloud is about learning quickly and adapting to things that you are learning and improving continuously. So that's a very important message. But one thing I do want to find out uh, is what do your teams? Because you, as an uh, Lufthansa IT uh, infrastructure team, you are acting as a service provider. What does your application teams expects from you, right? So is it about um, speed and agility? Uh, is it about security what what do they ask from you uh, when you work with them and how has evitrix helped uh, you to fulfill that for your end customers i think the most important fact but i think that is logically is the stability so the service that we are offering has to be really bulletproof and it has to be reliable we cannot you know if if the if the network is down then you know in in the airline industry this means effectively flights will be canceled and flights are grounded mm-hmm. and the airline is not earning any money so um having like downtimes on that end um could mean simply yeah, this this is yeah. the worst case scenario so i think this is the most important most important thing so like a bulletproof solution that um, effectively even can partly uh, heal itself or even is is built up like aviatrix in in a very active manner that uh, mm-hmm. it just automatically through bgp searches the best available path on our private network and uh, just reroutes traffic packages if one of the cloud providers in a certain region has its flaws and Yep, is is maybe down or something. So we really need this this underlay network um, with Aviatrix to be really bulletproof um, and and to work stable. And then I think the other things they come next. Of course, uh, the the application teams, um, especially we have a situation let's say where we are responsible to migrate. So we have a let's say we call it migration factory where we migrate applications into public cloud, and um, they have this dependency on us, right? So they they just need some networking to be to be present that is interconnected that they can um, obviously migrate the application to. And uh, this is now where we can offer uh, these self-services. So they, they can actually just raise a pull request and they can just prov- provision it themselves. So we have built this, um, we call it actually vending machine. So like a vending mm-hmm. machine where, um, you know, they can just themselves vent some stuff. And in that mm-hmm. case, that is basically an Aviatrix VPC that is connected to a certain transit and gets the interconnectivity. So this is like the self-service that we give and they can consume it themselves. And they also have the option to get the transparency, the visibility on, on Copilot where they get access to. Um, they can really track their, their, their own traffic in the network because still there are a lot of also third-party providers involved, not only the cloud providers, but we're interconnecting to um, other uh, known bigger vendors in the airline industry where we get data to, where we send data to. We peer a lot with our customers. We have a lot of private connections to our customers that are actually not going over the internet. So it's 
really private peerings. We meet them up in their data center, um, hook directly. So we uh, we use side to cloud features of, of AreaJX to, to peer to them. We sometimes even have still MPLS connects um, that's because of phys physical connections. So I think there's a, there's a wide variety of, of requirements uh, that, that you have. But if you ask me what's the most important one, I think on networking, it's the reliability. John, I have a, one thing I, I remember. Uh, there's another airline that we were talking to. They are also our customer. Uh, and they mentioned something very interesting that, you know, if let's say something, uh, application is down in the cloud, uh, then, you know, you can actually, as you said, right, you can actually, uh, you may have to cancel the entire flight, right? Even if it's as simple as baggage tracking application, right? So baggage tracking application, if you can't track the baggage, basically everything stops from that point onwards, right? Because uh, one thing is dependent on another and stability is the key part. And one of the things that they actually loved about Evatrix is the level of visibility that we provide into what's happening. Because if you have the visibility, just which I think uh, through Copilot and NetFlow data that we have, you're able to figure out where the problem is. It's much easier for you to resolve it much quicker, right? So because there is a certain amount of time where if you can recover within the, that time, you probably can have a business as usual. But if you pass that time, it becomes very, very difficult. And then one thing depends on the other. It might have an exponential impact in terms of your business. So that's a very key part that you mentioned. John, sorry, I was just... Yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say, picking up on what you said, Stefan, right at the beginning of the conversation, I think the... Network availability has to be the number one ask because if, if your network is not available, what's the point of having good performance? You haven't got a network. What's the point of having stability? You haven't got a network. What's the point of having security? You don't have a network. If your network is not there, then nothing else is gonna function. Um, if the network is out of service, guess what, Stefan? Your business is also out of service, right? So. Your network has got, and you know, in Aviatrix, we we don't believe in any network downtime. You know? So, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly the, the design that we have uh, rolled out with with Aviatrix. So, I mean, before we are having more of this active passive kind of setup, where there there effectively there there is a short downtime if you switch between any of the routes. But now with this deployment, having everything on active-active, even the peers to different regions on, on different clouds, we can easily, like yeah. without, like maybe there's one ping loss or something, traffic is rerouted and nobody actually knows that a certain region somewhere is, is unhealthy at the moment. I mean, we know it because of the observability, but the application effectively doesn't. Uh, notice it, and this is this is awesome, and um, uh, and basically uh, we were able to spin that up with only a couple of the lines of Terraform code, with all of the modules and the easy uh, and the, the the very good support, let's say from from your teams, um, getting us ramped up and uh, looking at how long it took to spin up what we did before, and now how long it took to spin up Aviatrix. Um, you should have been there on the market um, earlier already. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that leads me into a question, Stefan. I'm going to be very cheeky and ask this question. Would you would you say or would you agree that Aviatrix um, is a must-have solution for you for everyone's cloud journey? Um, and without it, you're going to be struggling. It's going to take you longer. It's going to cause you more risk. It's going to cost you more money. I'm going to give you the answer. It depends. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> it it. I would say really, it depends on particular use cases. 
Um, so if let's say a company strategically goes with a maybe a single cloud strategy or something, which I think according to to all the the, the knowledge and the statistics is very uncommon these days with yeah. being 90, over ninety percent in multi cloud. Um, I would say there it depends, but if, if if you don't know what happens next, and we are in the situation, we don't know what cloud comes next, or we have another uh, customer sitting in uh, a special region in the Chinese market, for example, yeah. there are just other requirements, other regularities, and we might simply cannot use uh, the cloud that we have right now. So we have to yeah. be prepared for um, any other situations, any other cloud coming into the game. And this is, this is I think, where um, this this abstractive layer that, that Aviatrix provides us. So you're the experts on the real constructs mm -hmm. and we're consuming, I would see Aviatrix as an API, basically we're consuming API from Aviatrix to provision the networking constructs on the clouds that are supported. And uh, keeping that in mind, you could say something like that. So you 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 want mm -hmm. to have that unless you are yourself a network vendor. vendor yeah? So we are not a network vendor, right? We generate business value with providing airline products and networking for us has to be reliable. And we don't want to, you know, rebuild what cloud providers or what you have built, we want to consume it. And that is why um, for us, it is important to have a partner like um, Aviatrix that gives us this abstraction that right. does the work for us. So you could say, um, it is definitely uh, for anyone being in the same situation, uh, worth a look into it if you know they have the the similar requirements and I would assume yes they will have because they will not stay in a single uh, cloud only um, they will definitely um, get a second cloud no matter how what it is if the company acquires another company that have worked with the other cloud or if yeah. some developers just start out using something else and then you have the mess if you're not prepared with it. No and you're absolutely right I agree with you if you're a single you know mom and pop shop type thing, a, a single DevOps type person, then you know, you're probably unlikely to need Aviatrix. But the bigger your organization is, the more clouds you're definitely going to be in. Uh, maybe not from day one, but over time, you definitely will be because of the different services. Then Aviatrix has got to be a must have for you. Otherwise, you're going to feel some pain. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, we have seen the same thing that... Um... You know, most of our customers, uh, they they start with single cloud and they started leveraging Aviatrix because of its feature-rich uh, networking capabilities and visibility, even if they're in one cloud. But then, you know, as they architect uh, to extend to other clouds, it's just the value becomes a lot more, uh, a lot more exponentially uh, better, right? And this is where if you architect and if you put the right block, uh, building blocks in place, the benefit that you get over the years is exponential, right? This is where I think uh, you may start with one cloud, but then you expand that deployment. You want to have better agility and orchestration, and then you extend to the cloud. So that's a great uh, message. So maybe, you know, uh, John, we are almost about uh, 30, 35 minutes into the yeah. podcast. Maybe we can ask Stefan about maybe a couple of key takeaways uh, for our audiences, yeah. because whether that's they remember anything else or not, I, you know, maybe Stefan, you want them to, uh, walk away with at least one or two key takeaways that you have learned over the years uh, yeah. from your experience. Anything to avoid for our audience? I, I, I would say um, being being now experienced with public cloud a lot and seeing all those 
uh, cloud migrations ongoing. I think one one key takeaway, and we have also written it in our strategy, is um, cloud first, but not only. So it's not the right choice for everything. Um, really decide on this carefully, and and if you know your application just isn't built for cloud and it doesn't fit, you will not get the benefits that you expect from public cloud. You will, in the end, end up with a larger invoice than, let's say, before. Mm -hmm. So I think that is one of the one of the key takeaways. And if you are forced to move into cloud for whatever reason, uh, think about right in time to also refactor your application to use the cloud in the right way and not only the application but also your operational or an organizational processes so if you are like a classic company like we are we were so to say uh, you have to not forget about the people so they have to transform they have to realize that they have more responsibility as a uh, let's say cloud developer however you want to uh, however you want to call it so i think that that is the essential part uh, <laughs> uh, cloud first yes but mm -hmm. not only so not it doesn't only fit cloud. yeah doesn't not does not fit I, for everything and and your app has <laughs> to be cloud ready if not Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have we have some uh, some more things, and this is also a key, key takeaway. And this is where, let's say, the cloud providers are now growing a lot is to provide these SaaS and PaaS like offerings. And uh, we have seen quite a lot that um, these platform services partly they generate kind of a lock-in situation. So when you know we are re-architecturing. Um, applications to leverage cloud services in a better way. We have to carefully select the services in the cloud to not get into a situation that we cannot, you know, move this application into another cloud when one of our customers is demanding it from us. Mm -hmm. So this is this is the other essential part. So we have to select this carefully. We have to still abstract from the cloud, but still, you know, um, use it in a most native way to get the the benefits and and this is not an easy task so you have to really have experienced architects experienced uh, engineers um, having a lot of knowledge in cloud and preferably not only in a single cloud preferably at least in two clouds no matter which clouds it's in that they realize um, they have to also uh, make sure that whatever they're designing you can also run it somewhere else unless you uh, let's say by decision know that you want to never run it somewhere else. So if you decide, you know, before, yeah. okay, I'm going to use um, service XYZ on, on Azure or on, on Google Cloud or wherever, um, you can of course do that, but you have to understand that you will never get out of that again unless mm -hmm. you rebuild your application from scratch. Yeah. So I think this is the other, <laughs> the other key takeaway to carefully select the services and find the the golden path between the I oh I don't want to get locked in, but I want to also use more than just infrastructure as service on the cloud. Right. And I think this is a very very important point, and we we actually talk about this a lot into our uh, ACE, uh, ACE program, the Evitrix Certified Engineering program, especially in the professional uh, course that we have, uh, because we don't have a cloud bias, right? We are basically uh, vendor neutral. And then we talk about architecting it correctly. Um, you, you will have a lot of these services available, but it's a very important point not get locked in into certain services that will block you from uh, going to or meeting the customer where they want you to meet, right? So it's a very important uh, key takeaway. Yeah, I mean, when you translate so this, of course. Uh, I think, uh, 
sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. I just wanted to say, if you translate this, of course, now to the networking aspect, then you will have exactly this situation when you're in front, you're, let's say you're in Azure and you want to, you're mm -hmm. looking into using stuff like the virtual one offering, you, you exactly are in that, in that situation that in, you can, yeah. yeah, you cannot get out of it. You don't get this translated on AWS or on GCP, and it will be very hard to interconnect these platforms. And this is, this is, you know, where actually Aviatrix plays into exact this, um, architectural paradigm because it really uh, gives us the flexibility to not be locked in. So basically you guys take care on <laughs> figuring out which cloud API to use and mm -hmm. making sure it's all compatible and provide us the architecture that we require to then um, build our applications right. on top. Exactly. Stefan, Absolutely. fantastic. Um, great insights from you, great knowledge, great learnings. Appreciate your time. And thank you very Amazing much learning. for uh, joining us. Thanks, yeah. Stephen. And maybe uh, hopefully soon we can meet uh, uh, and we can have a, a, a beer or a, or a, or a you know, quick a coffee somewhere in Frankfurt or Budapest. Um, hopefully soon. Thank <laughs> you so much. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, it was very nice to talk to you. Thank you for having me here, especially in this no, special uh, series here, as I understood. So uh, thanks, thanks, guys. And uh, also yes. hope that uh, it gave some valuable insights in how we, how, what problems we deal with at the moment and what we do, um, even in these difficult, difficult times yeah. for, for no, airlines. You, you certainly have um, enlightened us. And, and thanks again for taking the time, Stefan. So much. Thanks. Thanks.